Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, be with us today as we hear Jesus again preach the kingdom. Uh, May it be something that we always hear that comes from his mouth. Amen. Um, It was just a couple weeks ago um, when Mike uh, would have been 58 years old. Um, He never made it, obviously, the past tense of my voice. He did make a lot of other things in life, though. Um, Mike was an actor. Um, Mike was a dancer. He was a record producer. Uh, He was a singer and a songwriter. Uh, You may not be aware of this, but Mike has sold over 400 million albums. As a matter of fact, Mike got the best-selling album of all time. He, got the mo- he is the most awarded recording artist in the history of popular music. His first hits were, I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, I'll Be There. Don't know it yet? He's noted for Thriller and Scream. He died in 09 from a drug overdose. There was a global, global outpouring of grief. And although he's been dead since 09, he still makes $140 million a year. This is Michael Jackson. I met a young uh, fellow pastor once who was just enthralled with this guy. He, he really was. I, I thought he was joking at first when he was talking about how much he loved Michael Jackson. He could dance like him, you know, the robot moves, the, the moonwalk, you know, all that stuff. This young pastor could do that. He could sing like him. He had all his music on his iPhone. He just followed this guy practically religiously. Um, I, I'm afraid that I offended that young pastor when I asked him how he could even stomach the guy. (laughs) Come on now. His changing appearance over the years. He used to be a good-looking young black man, and he was changed to a white woman. (laughs) Come on. Cosmetic surgery, dyeing his skin. In the mid-90s, remember this? Accused of child sexual abuse, settled out of court meaning guilty, you know. He was charged again in 2005 of another child sexual abuse. Jury found him innocent. Yeah, as innocent as O.J. was with that jury. That's what I say. He hangs his own kid, remember that? Out over the balcony of a, what, second or third story apartment? What in the world is going on with this guy? Bottom line, I don't care how good a dancer or how good a singer he was. Michael Jackson was a freak and a pervert, okay? Uh, He was certainly a controversial character, though. Some loved him. Some hated him. One website that I went to to get a few facts about him listed him as the number one most controversial celebrity even today, six years later. There. Do you love him now? (laughs) 
This morning, I'd like to draw a few comparisons between Michael Jackson and Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? (laughs) Um, Believe me, there's not much. Um, But there is this. They were both controversial, okay? And Jesus beat Michael Jackson because although Michael Jackson started about age six or so, um, Jesus actually begins on day two or thereabouts of his ministry, of his ministry. When Jesus uh, first started his career, he was certainly getting noticed. I want you to tell you he was getting noticed by two groups. The first was the common everyday people on the street. That's who he talked to. The second people that noticed him right away were the religious bigots, the religious, (coughs) excuse me, leaders, okay? Um, Two groups of people. The common people. We we talked last week about um, how they found that Jesus could heal. Remember that? And how they loved this man. The whole town gathered at the door. That was in last week's reading. Mark, did you catch it for today? In this week's reading, Mark said, So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. See this in popularity. The is one of those. Really popular among the people. But the Capernaum crowd had learned something, that you've got to let Jesus teach about God. Remember that? You've got to let Jesus teach about God. The last time, they only wanted the healing, the people in the city of Capernaum. So Jesus left that area for a while. He still stayed in Galilee, but he circled around being the itinerant preacher that he was. Jesus had said, when that's all they wanted, let's go somewhere else so that I can preach there also. That's why I have come. He'd come to preach. If the people didn't want to listen to him teach about God, he didn't have any time for them. He'd come back now. This time, they would listen. This time, he would heal. But what did he preach why did he preach that he, it was so emphatic that if he couldn't do it, he wouldn't be there? That, that's a good question. There, he was teaching, you see, because there were so many bad teachings about God. You understand, please, please if you didn't understand it, understand it now, that the relig- Jewish religion at Jesus' day, and sadly, mostly today, They had perverted, they had kidnapped the faith of the Old Testament. The faith that Abraham had, that's not the ones the Pharisees and the Sadducees are believing in now. The the faith that King David had, it had nothing to do with the faith that had existed in Jesus' time. You know, what the prophets preached, that wasn't what they were preaching anymore. So, So there was this big difference And the difference was the religion of Jesus' day, they didn't have a place for mercy. Really, there was no mercy, there was no grace, there was no forgiveness, there was no chance to start again with God. They didn't have it. All the religion had turned into was a religion of performance. Do this, and do this, and don't do this, and don't do this. Religion of performance. But it was greater than that. 
if you were a Pharisee, the Pharisees still believed in the life to come. The Sadducees, the, the religious priests at the time, they didn't believe in an afterlife. You're a priest, and you don't believe in an afterlife. <laughs> the, the Pharisees, they believed all the books of the Bible. And then they added tradition, which was just as holy and sacred, in which most of the time overturned what was ever said in the written word of God. And the Sadducees, the religious priests, they only believed a small little section called the Pentateuch. And the rest was just commentary that may or may not be true at all. Jesus had some big work to do. The religion of Jesus' day was nothing like the religion of the Old Testament. So Jesus had his work cut out for him. And this is how you can tell if you're ever worshiping the real God, that when the people ask for forgiveness, God pardons. And that's what Jesus taught. Let's find out here. Okay, Jesus first shows up in the scene a couple days before we got to today's reading. And this is what we read at the time. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the great news of God. The time has come. God's kingdom is near. Repent and believe the great news. I want you to notice that in that, those two sentences there that, that talked about Jesus preaching, that great news is mentioned twice. Okay, great news. Um, He didn't say what the news was. John Mark didn't. But he said it was great news. And then he had the word repent. Right, repent and believe the great news. That means, you know, God, I've messed up. However you want to translate that. God, I've messed up. Now what follows Well, if it would not be the fact that God forgives or God pardons or God washes away your sin, if it would not be words to that effect, I can tell you this. It's not great news. (laughs) It's not even news. The great news was that when you ask forgiveness, God has mercy. God pardons. God forgives. God welcomes back. So in our story today, it told us that he kept preaching. He preached the word to them. And I tell you, what word was it? It was, it was a word correcting the perverted religion of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus' theme never changed in his teaching on earth. That's what he's doing uh, as we approach today. But in the midst of his teaching, a ruckus starts. Uh, Same thing happened the last time he was preaching. Okay, Uh, it was a demon-possessed man. Remember that? I started interrupting uh, the midst of his sermon. What was interrupting Jesus on this day? Uh, It was somebody who shouted, Hey, your 20 minutes is up. (laughs) Just just joking. Uh, It wasn't that it. It wasn't even the ushers clamoring with the plate saying time's over, okay? 
Now, the, the roof was being torn off. Must have been a report of hail damage. I don't know. Uh, they, they tore it off to the rafters as he was preaching. And then they, then they dropped through the roof, um, you know, the rafters like this. Four guys up there letting the man down on his primitive little cot. I'm sure it wasn't anything like the, like the bed I have. Uh, they dropped him down to the, through the cot. Uh, and um, my first impression, had I been there, would have been something like, hey, um, I, I thought we got over that, you know. If all you're looking for is a miracle, take him elsewhere. We're in the midst of a sermon here. Um, but apparently, uh, apparently the, they had faith. That's what the text says. Um, and, and Jesus made use of the opportunity with a request for healing. That's where he uttered the words, Son, your sins are forgiven. What an awesome transition. I I think it just fits all right in with the theme. Remember, Jesus is preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and believe the great news of God. And the great news was forgiveness, right? God forgives. God forgives. Man gets lowered down to the ceiling and Jesus says to him, you're forgiven. I like that. It... It's just that it seemed sort of irrelevant. <laughs> he, had not, he had not come for a private confessional booth in the midst of that crowd, okay? Um, it, it almost seems inappropriate. But, but let me under, help you to understand what Jesus is doing whenever he says words like that. Whenever he heals... Let me help you understand that. You see, sickness and disease and even death, they're nothing more than consequences um, for mankind's sinful condition. I'm not talking about a particular sin. It's our sinful condition. You can come down with a genetic disorder and you got cancer or whatever it is. It's not a result of sin. It's a result of your sinful condition, okay? And whenever Jesus heals... What he's doing is nothing more than turning back temporarily the effects of your sinful condition. In fact, even when Jesus would bring somebody back from the dead, which he did on three occasions, it's nothing more than temporarily turning back the effects of sin. It's not going to be permanently taken care of until Jesus comes back again or he gives us a new body entirely. He's only temporarily turning back the effects. So Jesus is not saying that the man's sickness was a result of sin. He's saying that a person can really only be whole when they have God's forgiveness. I want you to follow that theme long about Thanksgiving when it comes. And the ten lepers show up again. And nine of them continued on their way, but one came back. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. He got more than healing. He got forgiveness. And that's what's going on here. Jesus says to the man, your sins are forgiven. You have been made really whole. Now up to that, the crowd just loved it. They ate it up. Again, they're going to say, we have never seen anything like this. And they're going to throw that word out there again. Man, this, we are amazed. Okay. But remember Michael Jackson now. Um, he was loved and hated. 
he was admired and considered scum? This is where the scum comes in for Jesus. Jesus is preaching the great news of God, and he says to the man, you're forgiven, and the spies heard him say it. Spies, you you mean those 10 characters from the Old Testament, those 12 of them, uh, 10 of them that were bad, two that were good? No, no. Um, It it was the religious leaders. You, You realize they were always doing stuff like that, keeping tabs on anything that was going on that they were not in control of. Remember they did the same thing to John the Baptist? Remember that? It happened this way. When John the Baptist saw the many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. They'll begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. And he would go on with ugly words like that because, you see, John the Baptist knew that they were spies coming to find out what he was preaching. And they were spying on Jesus because John had now been put in prison. Jesus' growing popularity with the common people. Wow, he had the power to heal. He had the power to forgive. He had the power to kick demons out, to muzzle their mouths. And the religious leaders, resistance. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus, well, it's obvious He perceived their thoughts. Maybe it was the scowls on their faces. Maybe it was the murmurings as the sermon went on, as they spoke with one another. And Jesus came back with, huh, which is easier, to pronounce forgiveness or do a miracle? If you were to ask me, I, I can do the former pretty good. I can't do the latter at all. Um, but I notice this, that you can't prove forgiveness, right? Um, By itself, there's no reason to believe that that after Jesus said those words, that that anything had happened at all. Uh, It's not like the man all of a sudden gained a a sunny tan across his face uh, or or anything else. Not like there was a permagrande walking around with no, no change. Nothing. You can't prove forgiveness. But I do notice this. When I look at the situation, if the miracle um, had been done before, there would have been no guarantee that he was forgiven. But if the miracle was done afterwards, it's a lot more persuasive to me that what Jesus said before was just as true. And that's what it did. Jesus heals the man. It clearly says to at least all the common people, nobody can do this but God. God must be with Jesus. So the former statement must be true as well. Jesus said, you're forgiven. He healed the man. And that was great news. He was turning the cursed world on its ear for the moment. And I like that. The man walked out of the house. Now the man walked out in full view of them all. He flaunted it in the religious leaders' faces. And what could they say? This was a trick. <laughs> no, this was Capernaum. 
And everybody knew that man had been lame forever. (laughs) What could they say? This was demonic? Well, it didn't hit them at the time, but they'll come up with that one later. And for the third time in our short walk through Mark, the people are amazed. Nobody had ever done anything like this. But I want to tell you that the controversy didn't end there. Jesus, after this, went out again and began by teaching by the lake. And he uh, was making friends. He made friends on this next occasion with a tax collector. I don't know if you remember what about uh, tax collectors and stuff, but they were considered low-life scum, okay? Um, they worked, you see, for a foreign oppressive government. Uh, they exacted heavy taxes from the people. They made life miserable if you didn't happen to be a Roman a citizen, and the Jews weren't. So the Jews really made it tough on the Jewish people who would go over to working for the Roman government. Number one, you're excommunicated from the synagogue. You'd never darken their doors again. You're cut off from God, so saying, okay? You were never allowed as a witness in court. It was assumed that what you were saying was a total lie. You have no respect in our community. And your family was all hated. Didn't just happen to you. They hated your kids and your wife and and your mom and your dad and your aunts and your uncles. Everybody was hated. Jesus asked that tax collector, a man by the name of Levi, to follow, and he did. Levi ends up throwing a party. You you read that. Uh, He invited his other friends uh, to meet Jesus. And, of course, who were his other friends but other scum, right? And Jesus goes to the party. And the Pharisees were all upset that Jesus is not following their teachings. You know, stay clear of all sinners. A rabbi should only hang around people who are worthy of a great deal of respect. And again, I noticed in the reading that sinners is mentioned. The tax collectors and sinners. And what I'm picking up in the gist of Jesus' preaching and the gist of Jesus' action is that really it's all about sinners, isn't it? Sinners meaning whether you be a prostitute, which is what it most likely referred to. Sinners being one of those damned uh, people Um, that were tax collectors. Sinners, whether it be that crippled man, which the Jewish leaders thought, he's that way because he did some ugly sin, that Jesus always enjoyed dealing with sinners. And the reason is because he had great news. The great news was they can be forgiven. The people loved him, and the religious leaders hated him. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Michael Jackson was pretty controversial. Some can look at his music and forget the freak character and the child sex abuse. Others cannot forget it. 
And Jesus is beginning his ministry, and part of his ministry is tearing apart the whole Jewish religion. The understanding about a merciful, forgiving God. He's destroying the basis of the Jewish society, you understand. And this is not going to be pretty days ahead. You will love him or you will hate him. But I've got to tell you one other fact that's sort of important in understanding the Gospel of Mark. I skipped a phrase that was in our reading. And it was this phrase right here. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, we know who Jesus is, okay, because Jesus told us, okay? We know the whole picture. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Christ or the Messiah. He is the theanthropos for the theological word. He is the God uh, who comes down in human form. And he's got two natures, human and divine. See, we know all that. But they didn't know that in the gospel. Not in the story where we're at today. In fact, Jesus did not want them to know it. Anytime a demon says who he is, he shuts them up. Right? Jesus did not advertise who he was at his birth, except for a few shepherds that went through that nobody believed. It was a secret who he was growing up. He didn't do any miracles. He didn't preach to anybody. He was a carpenter's son. In fact, it was rumored that he was illegitimate, and he is only Mary's son. He doesn't do his first miracle until Cana at Galilee, and he didn't announce that one. And the crowds are going to catch on that he's only special as the gospel lesson goes along. They only catch on as he goes on. Finally, remember, at the loaves and the fishes miracle, they say, man, wouldn't this guy be good if he could be our king? And Jesus only allowed it because he didn't allow it at the miracle there. He only allowed it, do you know when? when he parades into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. But every other time he shut them down whenever, when anybody got close. They couldn't, he couldn't do it because they had different understandings of what Messiah would be and what Messiah would do. So I'm going to tell you that reading that we had here, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, dot, dot, dot. It's an incomplete sentence. There's no way you can look at it. And most of the versions of the Bible put it that way. It's an incomplete sentence. John Mark put it in there, and he put it in there as a parenthetical aside, meaning, hey, 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 you Roman Christians, you Christians who are worrying about is Jesus really worth giving your life for? Is he really who we believe he is? Watch this. And Jesus healed the man. It was a secret who Jesus Christ was because they had some screwed up understandings of who they thought Jesus would be. 
Jesus clarified that on the cross. And the mercy that he had long talked about was given. And the secret is over. It's time to proclaim it. May God give us the ability to understand with our head who Jesus Christ was in his proclaim of mercy and forgiveness. May God give us the guts to live out that faith in our everyday lives because the world needs to hear it. Amen.